that I, I don't even know if that's the story anymore or if that's just part of the story. Um, By the way, it's not as though I heard lots of raves about the TBS production. It's not, well, like, yeah. it's not like everybody was talking about how great the stats were and how the uh, announcing was, <laughs> was just totally on point and the camera work was sharp and and uh, and uh, illuminating or, or anything. Oh, and the commercials probably too. I mean, I bet you went out and bought every product and, and are happier for it. They did show the baseball players, though. I enjoyed that part. Mm-hmm. I know what they look like. <laughs> you didn't get to see Luke Gregerson's dastardly mustache as he was spinning <laughs> sliders three feet away from the plate that Sal Perez was swinging at. But so, who even so remembers we, that? Because he was the hero in the end. Everyone who was the wait, goat in this game the, was the hero at some point. Oh, he was a hero. Yeah. Who is the hero? Who would you say is the hero in this game? Does Ned Yost does not get to come out of this the hero, does he? <laughs> Probably not, although he, I guess he gets to come out of it alive with a, does he, with a job. He, does he get to say he's vindicated? <laughs> I think that would be a stretch. Probably, although you never know, because he still had he still had Holland and he still had Davis later on, and those turned out to be important innings too. So, um, but that would probably be a stretch. I don't. I mean, let's talk about the six. Let, all right, we, yeah, we have let's to talk about the have six. To do that. So, um, my experience listening to the radio uh, was that Shields puts on uh, one runner. And then Ventura, 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 Ventura gets up in the bullpen and they mention it and they say, wonder what that's about. Must be his throw day. Right. They they didn't think he was available, which I mean, he said after his last start that he was going to be available and he was on the roster. He was clearly available. I mean, I assumed he was available if it was his throw day, if it was his natural throw day then I would consider him to be an option. And mm-hmm. if he's an option, they wouldn't waste his throw day throwing in right. the middle of the sixth inning. They would mm-hmm. you know, wait until after the game when they saw they didn't need him. So anyway, one batter, uh, they figure he's not going to be used. Um, he's just working. Uh, and then the second guy gets on, and he starts looking. He's paying attention to the field, and so they decide that he is. And so then the uh, Yost pulls shields. Uh, Ventura comes in. And one announcer says to the other, what do you make of this? And it's just silent. And he goes, I don't know. I, I mean, like, I, how are you going to, how do you assess this is basically what he was saying. It wasn't like, uh, at least my reading of it, it wasn't like, uh, boy, there goes crazy Ned again. I don't know what he's thinking. It was like genuinely like, what am I supposed to say? How, I don't know if this is a good or bad move. Right. And I feel like that was the appropriate sentiment. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought that, first of all, pulling shields, undeniably a good move. Yeah? Yes. Gutsy. Exactly. Exactly what we said Ned wasn't going to do yesterday. Right. It was exactly the thing that we said James Shields and Ned Yost are going to get this team in trouble in the sixth because they're going to leave him in there to get out of that mess, and mm-hmm. that's not going to work. Right. And they didn't. It was like this incredible moment where Ned went off script. It was incredible because he has a slow hook. I mean, people complain about how he's rigid with his relievers, but he also lets his starters go a long way. I think the Royals starters had the third highest average pitch count this season. And Shields, of course, is a guy who goes deep in every game. And he had only thrown 88 pitches and he was 
pitching pretty well too it seemed like he had gotten into the the proverbial groove before he gave up those couple base runners and big game james and all of that you i mean it seemed certainly like a situation where yost and where most managers probably would let, <laughs> let the guy pitch out of the gym yeah. i mean yeah. even melvin later in the game let lester go well hey forever. you're getting wait you're getting ahead of yourself <laughs> okay. but if, if anything, you might argue that they should have pulled Shields before the inning started. That just just mm-hmm. knowing that the penalty that the pitcher has, seeing the lineup multiple times, and how good bullpens generally are, you could argue that he should have pulled him before he even put a runner on in the sixth. That's the super aggressive way. But not 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 one manager in the in the history of the sport pulls right. any stretched out starter in that mm-hmm. situation. Or you could that, say that if he was that close, if his leash was so short that he only got two batters, uh, then in that case, Yost sort of should have had someone else start the inning clean. But you're right. I don't think anyone would have done that. Um, okay, so then, so let's let's put that decision. You can, there is nothing to bash Yost about for that. You can argue that it's not a good move. Fine. But it is certainly not bashable. Mm-hmm. Second, second move is he brings in Ventura. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... The premise for Ventura being a terrible decision is, uh, is I guess it's threefold. Is one, he pitched on Sunday. Two, he's young. And three, you could just stretch out your three bullpen guys to get four innings. And the last one, I think, is legitimate. Um, you could have done that. Now, you might argue that if uh, we're so worried about using pitchers in roles they're not used to, then maybe using one of those guys who, as you have shown, Ned Yost has established an extremely rigid plan for using them throughout the year, mm-hmm. might be stretching them. You could also, by the way, say Finnegan uh, would be the option there. Yeah. Uh, and I'd be fine with that as well. But, you know, then, you know, if Finnegan gives up the home run, then you know everybody's bashing him for bringing in Finnegan, who's young and has like seven, you know, innings of experience. Um, anyway, so then there's the pitch Sunday. Well, that's not actually that uncommon. Pitchers, starters pitch on their throw day in the postseason quite a bit. It's mm-hmm. kind of common. It's a thing that you do. They're right. throwing anyway. You don't do it throughout the season, presumably for fatigue reasons, but it's pretty common. John Lackey did it last year. Multiple people will do it this year. I found a, it took like 12 seconds for me to find a box score of Randy Johnson in 1995 coming in on one day's rest in the division series against the Yankees, uh, having thrown 110 pitches, um, you know, a day earlier, and then throwing three innings and getting the win. And so if it had worked, it would have looked incredibly bold and really smart. And he would Mm -hmm. have been praised for not sticking to his predictable Ned Yostian patterns. Now, Mm -hmm. the youngness, I mean, you know what, like, you could just as easily argue that since Ventura was relieving last year that he's prepared for this kind of a role. Whereas if you bring in a veteran, like if you had done this with Jeremy Guthrie, who hasn't relieved in 17 years or something like that, you could argue that that would make... I mean, there's always going to be some detail that you can pick at if it fails and say that's the reason it failed. But the the test is, was it wrong before you knew what was going to happen? And I think in this case, it was particularly hard to say. It was scary. I, I agree. It was scary. It was a tense thing. You might have been nervous. You might have opposed it before it happened. However, um, that I don't think that is 
the reason that it's scary and the reason you might have opposed it is because we we basically have no idea what a pitcher like Ventura is going to do in a situation like that. That doesn't mean that he's going to give up a home run. He could very easily have been really good. He is a better pitcher than Finnegan. He is a better pitcher than Herrera. He's a better pitcher than all those guys, um, generally speaking. And if he'd come out and thrown, you know, two, 301 mile an hour fastballs past Moss, then it would have looked like a genius move. So, mm-hmm. anyway, I, but I'm fine. I'm fine with criticizing the Ventura thing. Uh, to, I'm not fine with saying that Yost is an idiot for it, but I'm fine mm-hmm. with criticizing it. It's a, it's, it is a debatable move. Yeah. So, if if so, you're moving on, I have I have some I'm numbers. Okay. I'm not moving on. So, okay. So I anyway, I was excited that Yost took Shields out because mm-hmm. it seemed smart. I was excited that he brought Ventura in because it seemed bold. Uh, and so he gives it the home run, and the announcers immediately the announcers who were silent had no analysis right. immediately start destroying Yost yes. for pulling for pulling shields mm-hmm. yes but, and, and it, bringing in Ventura but pulling shields too it, it was sort of the same on Twitter at least my experience of of Twitter was people were praising Yost for making the move and maybe maybe sort of ag- agnostic about the pitcher choice or not saying a whole lot about Ventura until the home run happened and then yeah it was the worst move ever and people were writing that it was one of the most terrible managerial decisions in recent history and even in some cases some of the same people who had seemed to say something positive about the decision moments earlier came down and crushed it and I felt sort of the same way maybe if you're going to complete some accounting of Ned Yost's managerial career and his managerial mistakes, I don't think this would be anywhere close to the top. Maybe maybe it would be the most momentous, or it seemed like it would be, but in terms of uh, how, how it would how it was expected to work out, I didn't have a huge problem with it. And I, I see the objections too, but I looked up some numbers, and Rob McEwen at, at BP looked up some numbers for me. And so from 1995, so the... the Wildcard era through 2012, we didn't have 2013 postseason data handy, but for those years, there had been 84 instances of a starter in the regular season who made at least 95% of his regular season appearances as a starter pitching in relief in the postseason. And in those games, they tended to pitch about one run better ERA-wise than their regular season stats as a starter. And that's against good offenses, too, good good hitters for the most part. So, And that's kind of what you expect when a, when a starter pitches in relief. You expect him to be better. He's pitching in short bursts and everything. And so shave about a run off the ERA for those guys, at least historically, in this fairly small sample. And if you do that for Ventura, then suddenly he looks like a looks like a relief face, like the people that that people were clamoring for Yost to bring in. And I, I emailed Mitchell Lichman uh, also during the game to ask him what his projections were for the other options that Yost had available, because he was tweeting some stuff about how it was a defensible decision that looked awful in retrospect, and and when you looked at the outcome of it, and so according to his projections where an average pitcher allows four runs per game. So that's the baseline, 4.00 ERA. The options that Yost had were leaving Shields in 
And Shields normally would be a, a 4.01 versus a lefty. And this was his third time through the order. So Mitchell said probably like a 4.15 or so. Finnegan, 3.36. Herrera, 3.48. And Ventura, 3.96. But that's as a starter. And Mitchell says that he takes half a runoff usually for a, a starter who's relieving. And so that would put him at 3.46, which is basically exactly where Finnegan and Herrera were. So, and Ventura is a guy with a, a reverse split also in a small sample, but doesn't seem to be a, a huge platoon split guy. So just looking purely at the numbers and the projections, you could make the case that Ventura was about as good an option as anyone, save for Davis and Holland, which you... You almost have to rule out because because there's just no way that, that Yost would do that. It's just not even on the table. And really, realistically, probably no manager would do that. Maybe eh, probably maybe, not, maybe someone would. You certainly there are managers that would have gone Holland eight nine from from minute one. That like I mean, t- uh, you know, Girardi would have used Mariano. Or, I guess maybe Tori would have used Mariano Rivera eight nine, and. You know, last year, Uehara would have gone 8-9, just like that would have been expected. And so you, everybody gets bumped up an inning. But mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think a two-inning from Davis, two-inning from Holland plan would have been in any manager's binder going into that game. I think that's mm-hmm. true. Right. And, and it maybe looks even worse uh, given how great Finnegan looked later in the game. But... Then again, I mean, if you want to make the argument that Ventura is not a good choice because of uncertainty or lack of experience, you're talking about someone with even even less of that with Finnegan, guy who was pitching in college this season. So, so I I mean, not not it doesn't go on the big board of worst managerial mistakes for me. I I can see why it would not have been the optimal decision. Just given some uncertainty about a guy who doesn't have a whole lot of experience pitching out of the bullpen, and why would you ask him to do that here when you have other options that seem to be just as good, if not better? So, so fine, yes. Um, if, the great thing... He, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, the great thing mm-hmm. is that Pedro Martinez right now is is, <laughs> is also crushing Ned Yost. Yes, I heard the beginning of that, right. It's not like any manager's ever been <laughs> fired for leaving a starting pitcher out too long. <laughs> yes, and people were, were making grady little comparisons immediately after that move. Um, so I guess the fact that Yost won the game, he is now immune to that, whatever else happens, I would think. But, uh, so I, I think if they had ended up losing the game, probably he would have gotten more criticism for that move than he deserved and so i'm sort of glad that 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 didn't end up happening because now that is part of the story but it's not the story we don't have to reduce this great game exciting game and the royals whole exciting season to that one managerial decision maybe there will be another managerial decision yost now has a five game series to play with so he might he might surprise us and and do something else that makes us kind of crazy but but this probably will not go down in in history now because of the way that this game ended um so what else is there to say about the rest of the game all the well the bunts were a story we should just note that that the lester thing was exactly what right right about it it did end up being exactly what we feared would happen with lester shields types Mm -hmm. where lester went long although you could argue that the a's bullpen is uh 
did not have the manager's full faith and confidence. But anyway, yeah, so what else? What else? What else happened in this game? <sighs> By the way, I was <clears throat> walking around today, and I decided that in answer to the question yesterday that we asked, uh, who, which GM has more to lose mm. in this game, I don't actually think that it was Billy Bean. And, and upon further reflection, I don't think it was even close. I think it was completely Dayton Moore had more to lose okay. in this. And uh, the Royals, as a franchise, had more to lose. So revising my answer to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, I don't know what, what there is to say about this game. Everything was exciting. I mean, on, on Twitter, everything seems to get boiled down to either exclamations after something exciting happens or second guessing and first guessing of managerial moves and non-moves. So that ends up sort of being part of the story if you were following it that way. And every opportunity to pinch hit that is not taken becomes a thing briefly. And every sacrifice bunt becomes a thing briefly. And there were plenty of those. Um, I, what happened? So I saw a GIF of the uh, of the Hosmer triple, uh-huh. but it happened very fast in GIF form. Um, you saw replays. What what happened? Was it catchable? If if the crowd had been quiet and somebody called the other off, would they have caught it? What what uh, was up with this ball? Yeah, that was a tough play. I mean, there were some there were some Gomes tweets after that because Gomes had come in to replace Coco Crisp and people had made jokes about how it's all going to come down to a fly ball to Gomes now and then there was sort of a pivotal fly ball that Gomes got near I don't think it was a ball that a better outfielder would have caught necessarily I mean maybe the fact that he was a defensive replacement maybe maybe they hadn't synchronized as well maybe they weren't as aware of where where the other outfielder was standing or they hadn't worked out how they were going to call the ball, that sort of thing. But it was a difficult play. It, it would have been uh, a very good catch if they had made it because it was it bounced high off the wall. Um, it was right right back there and, and kind of in between the positions. So it, it didn't... The fact that they collided always makes it look, you know, as long as no one's heard, it looks more comical that way or it looks like the... <laughs> Keystone cops kind of thing where they are just running into each other and can't figure out who's supposed to get what. But to me, it didn't look like a ball that would have been caught most of the time. Uh, okay. Um, poor Adam Dunn is a thing. Yeah. Uh, all the sacrifice bunts is a thing. The complete inability to keep the Royals from stealing. I have to say that while I generally like stolen bases mm-hmm. and I generally dislike sacrifice bunts, uh, and I generally roll my eyes a little bit at small ball uh, focused teams. I do respect that the Royals actually execute it. You know, like it's not mm-hmm. just that they steal a lot, it's that they don't get caught. And it's not yeah. just that they lay down a lot of bunts. It's that, like, there were, I kept waiting for the sacrifice bunt attempt back to the pitcher, force out at second. I mean, that's when it really kills you to see a team playing small ball. Look, the fact is that a sacrifice bunt. Sure, by win probability uh, models, usually seems to knock a point or two off of your win probability. But there are all sorts of other factors at play that are kind of hard to uh, to totally uh, encapsulate in the math. There's you know the potential for an error. There's the pressure you put on your defense. There's the sort of uh, I, I, you know the 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 
confidence of the batter might be below average. Um, you know, there's 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 the of course there's the sort of game theory of having it in your quiver and not ruling it out completely. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the and then on the flip side, there's the you might be giving away a strike or you might be forcing the you know the pitcher might be changing his his routine and he might give you a ball. I mean, there's all sorts of things that make it kind of hard to to really get a true number on what a sacrifice bunt attempt is worth, right? Mm-hmm. So while I do kind of roll my eyes, if you lay one down. It's not going to kill you. It's probably not. If it's a bad idea, bad idea. It's like the equivalent of batting a guy sixth who should be batting eighth or something like that. Sure, it's slightly wrong, but it's not that wrong. And uh, but what kills you is the the team that bunts and bunts into force outs or bunts, you know, and can't get it down. And the mm-hmm. Royals they execute really well. Like this is a team that if you just get past your revert your revulsion. To the way that <laughs> they that they deliver their signs to the batter, and and you appreciate the execution. It's kind of a kind of a competent team that does things like they're good at defense. They're really good at base running. They don't strike out. It is a fun style of play to watch. It is enjoyable. It is probably admirable. And so uh, you know, more of this, less of the other stuff would be just fine with me in a kind of meta baseball landscape sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the steals were great and thrilling to see, particularly Dyson's. But sabermetrically speaking, some of those steals were in spots where, it, I mean, it's, you know, run expectancy-wise, it seems unwise to go. I well, mean, they were never going to get caught. Right. Well, they were stealing down, I mean, what was it, four runs at least? Three runs? They were stealing <laughs> yeah. in times when you need base runners, not one guy in scoring position who could get thrown out. And I think it was Mitchell tweeted something about how the break-even point for one of those steals must have been 90%. But when you watched, it kind of looked like probably they would be safe at that at that rate. I mean, it's a, a great base-running team. Lester does not throw over to first base. Literally, he is not thrown over to first base all season. And uh, he's allowed something like the, the fourth most steals for a, a lefty starter this season. And the Royals have stolen the most and also stolen at one of the highest success rates. And they were getting great jumps. And it just looked like there was no way that they would not steal those bases. And so when you look at the numbers and what the, the stats would say about those steals, some of them would seem ill-advised. But if you were watching... Uh, maybe maybe the typical numbers don't really apply because the the Royals really seem to have him timed so well that it would have been difficult to throw him <laughs> out. And people were were pointing out that that maybe in in the wake of what happened, the loss of Giovanni Soto was one of the more pivotal moments of the game. And maybe it was. And Soto, of course, started the game, and part of the reason why he started the game, I. I Norris, who came in to replace him, had caught Lester for most of the year, but he hasn't hit at all, and Soto is regarded as the better thrower, the better catcher at restricting the running game. Now, I think that has been overblown a bit. Giovanni Soto is not Pudge Rodriguez. In fact, if you look at his his historic caught-stealing stats, they are league average, exactly league average. His caught-stealing rate is 27%. Over the course of his career and league average over over that time was also 27 percent. 
before he came to Oakland this year, he was throwing guys out with Texas in a small sample, 17%. And then uh, with, with Oakland, he was very good. And he threw out nine guys in 17 attempts, which is awesome. If you can do that all the time, then you're Pudge Rodriguez. But history does not suggest that he is. Uh, his career cut stolen base rate is only slightly higher than Norris's, actually. So unless there's some some more recent difference there where Oakland changed Soto's mechanics or something, and now he's suddenly amazing. Or uh, vice versa, if Norris's right. back, back, back ailment uh, makes uh-huh. him much worse than his career record. But yeah, yes. I agree, overblown. It seemed overblown. Yeah, I, I would guess that, I mean, the pitcher sort of determines more of whether a stolen base attempt is successful and whether there is a stolen base attempt than the catcher does typically. So I would guess that many of those steals would have happened no matter who was catching, but it, it's uh, it's a possible, it's a wrinkle that you could consider when you tell the story of this game. Uh, so just curious, what, what do you think the Royals... Uh, true stolen base uh i don't know i don't know how to phrase this if the royals had had if the royals played this game a million times and stole nine to seven million bases or tried Mm -hmm. how many times would they be caught like what are they what is their true stolen base ratio against the a's with you know a combination of lester and norris and gregerson and whoever else got stolen off of i mean are they a 90 percent success rate in this scenario I would think it's got to be pretty close to that because they yeah. were they were eighty percent on the season, yeah. And with Lester on the mound and not a great throwing catcher, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I think so. With guys like Dyson and Gore and just super fast and super efficient base dealers, I think they actually are that good. So the Lester thing, this was the weirdest part of, of baseball Twitter all day, was the, the Lester not throwing over thing, which somehow had es- escaped all of our notice. Like when I, I saw it. I'm so mad that I didn't write about that first because I did, did a you know thing. It? I did a, yeah, I did a thing about pitchers throwing over when I was writing about Jordano Ventura and how neat. He never allows stolen bases. And I sorted some list and I saw Lester at the bottom and no pickoffs and I was going to do something on it, but I didn't. I mean, that's a, that's like a, that's a huge, that would have been a huge piece, Ben. I don't, I I mean, don't know about that. I mean, if nothing else, a fun fact. <laughs> it's I mean, definitely it a fun, fun fact. fact. It was the best fun fact I've ever seen. Um, it's a good one. And in fact, so useful and non-lying that it's not even a fun fact. It's, it's actually, it's, <laughs> it's just gospel. It's just, it's, it is, it is the good news. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, I guess John Rogel discovered it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I did, I didn't believe it. I mean, I, I could not believe that a pitcher could go a year without throwing over to first. And so anyway, he he could partly because he's. When I heard that, I thought, oh, that must mean he's really good at stopping the running game because mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't need to throw to first. He's super quick. He's indefensibly quick to first. All right, which is you know that there's some truth to it. He is very quick to first, and uh, he you know that's a, a reason that. Everybody doesn't steal every time against him. However, I was shocked. Like once it once it became something that the world was aware of, mm-hmm. I was shocked that he kept on not throwing to first. And like there seemed to be times, uh, one of the uh, one of the let's see, one of the A's announcers in fact mentioned this. That it, it there seemed to be times where the base runner just had a huge lead and was like 
daring him to yeah. throw to first. It was mentioned on the broadcast as something that the Royals were aware of. And I mean, that you'd think that would be the sort of thing that would be in an advance report. And you I wonder mean, how that I, didn't get around earlier. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you throw to first? Does he have the yips? Does John Lester secretly have the yips? Yeah. Because otherwise, he... why don't you throw to first? I mean, I know that he's been. So he uh, there is an article two weeks ago that said he was working on his pickoff move. Um, and so maybe that's code for he's not comfortable throwing in a different direction. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, he did say something. Um, there was a there was a Buster only article about it, at least where uh, he wrote that evaluators had concluded that Lester is not comfortable throwing to first, and um, and Jeff Sullivan found an article from 2012 where he. Lester said he had been doing some work on his pickoff move and how they kind of got away from him. And uh, that's the hardest part, just knowing I've got to throw the ball over to first and doing the same stuff to it. So it does seem like he is not comfortable with it entirely. Although you would think that, I mean, even just uh, just, lob. just lobbing it over I is... Mean, did this game come down to Lester's inability to throw the ball 60 feet you know, <laughs> twice? Like, is that the game right there? Yeah, I mean, it could be. You could point to many things that were, but, but sure, you would think that if simple you're not comfortable, I mean, just I need a I need a simple goat. <laughs> just roll it over there quickly. Cespedes would have thrown the first. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, I that's I don't that's, know that rolling it to first would have helped. To be honest, quickly rolling it, not a slow roll. <laughs> no, well, maybe not. But it is hard to understand why. When another team is aware of it and seems to be, seems to be, I mean, the worst that can happen really is that you give the guy a free base because you throw it past the first baseman. And if you're giving up a bunch of free bases because the runners know that you're not going to throw over there, then that's even worse. So you have nothing to lose. Crazy. Crazy. Yes. That is the craziest. It is the craziest fact and the fact that it held up for the biggest game of the year is even crazier. Mm -hmm. Crazy. That is the craziest part of this game. That is what I'll remember from this game is that John Lester <laughs> didn't throw to first. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Anyway, it's a good game. It was a great game. Yeah. So I don't know what else to say about it. It's it's uh, it was it was great. There were a lot of managerial moves to discuss. There were. Exciting baseball plays to discuss. Lots of fun lead changes. Um, someone tweeted that it was not good baseball, but it was exciting baseball. I saw a few of that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know if I agree with that. I mean, no. there was bunting, but it was was it was it poorly played? Not really. There weren't a bunch of errors. There weren't any errors. I mean, is it literally just that if you see a bunt, you can no longer like the sport? Is that <laughs> where we're at? I did see some tweets to that effect. Yeah, I, if that was if that was bad baseball, then I wish that all baseball were bad because that was great. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll talk about the Giants tomorrow. Yeah, I guess so. They have a tough Probably act. Tough act to follow. They better deliver a game as good as that one so that we can talk about it for a whole episode. <laughs> and we will get to emails at some point, so keep sending them in to podcast at baseballperspectus.com. And please support our sponsor, Baseball Reference. I used Baseball Reference Play Index during the game to look for the record for most sacrifice bunts in a postseason game. The Royals I were was... one away from equaling it. 
I was accused of using play index <laughs> for uh, for the the fact about how the Royals tweeted uh, tweeted how the Royals bunted four times in eleven innings and the A's bunted four times through May. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, but I did not find that through play index. Mm, okay. However, well, I could have found it through yes. index. It would have been. It actually would have been slightly harder, just given the nature <laughs> of the query. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you should use the play index. You should tweet fun facts from it, and you should use the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of thirty dollars on a one-year subscription. So that is it for tonight. We will be back tomorrow. <laughs>